All right, well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys here this morning at New Life Church. Glad you got out. It's cold outside. But uh, uh, anyway, it's, it's a little warmer in here. I know it's not 100 degrees like some people like to keep their houses, but it's warm. Uh, and uh, anyway, I'm so glad you guys are here with us this morning. We're going to, uh, we're going to carry on with our uh, message series that we started last week uh, that's called Lift Off. Psalms of Ascent, and uh, as you know, we are in uh, going into week three of our 21-day prayer and fast. Uh, two weeks have already gone by, so whatever you're fasting, one more week, all right, with that, uh, just encourage you. Uh, we pray that you would finish this week strong uh, in, in faith, finish this week uh, committed to whatever it is you, you have chosen to fast, and, um, and these... This series that we're doing is, is based uh, out of the book of Psalms, what they call Psalms of Ascent, which is Psalms 120 through 134. It's 15 Psalms, and uh, those are on our website. We have a daily devotion that's connected with that, newlifechurchofjackson.org, uh, and you can follow along on that, and uh, it's on the homepage. Click that, and it'll take you straight to, um, to the devotionals. And so hopefully you have found those helpful. Uh, I'm hoping you have been encouraged by those. Uh, I'm hoping you have been uplifted by those, as that, that's the whole point. And that's what God does best, is lift His people up. And so, uh, so we've been going through those, and we talked about a couple of them last week. We're going to look at a few of those uh, today as well. And uh, really, those psalms are, they were, they're songs. They're songs that the children of Israel would sing as I hope I'm not about to get electrocuted as I preach. Uh, and uh, those are songs that uh, God's people would sing as they were um, going up to Jerusalem to celebrate the covenant that they had with God at the different seasons of, of festivals that they would have. And they're really an invitation is what they serve us for today. They serve as an invitation for us to travel upward. Uh, to grow closer to God, for that's what ascent means. To ascend means move, it's movement upward is what that's about. And so it's been said about these psalms of ascent that they're like um, placing our feet in the footprints of other people who have gone before us. They reminding uh, ourselves, they remind ourselves that we need to move again, that we can't stay where we have been can't stay where we have been. The songs we were singing this morning, the greatness of God leading to the realization of where we're at, that we need God to do new in us. We need Him fresh in our life. And that's what these psalms are about. They remind us to keep walking forward in the direction of God. How many of you know that, it's, that we need to be reminded occasionally that sometimes we, we're not always going in the direction that we need to go? It might be okay, it might be all right, but we need to be reminded that, that God is calling us forward and wants to move our faith forward, wants to move our life forward because of the purpose and the plan that He has for us. And so I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the New Testament, which is where we're going to start first. Our main text is Matthew 17. Matthew 17, and you can also follow along on the screen for these verses as well. We're going to look at a story um, to kind of set this up today. Matthew 17, verse 1 says, Six days later, 
Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Can you say that word, transformed? Transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. Now this is Jesus, New Testament. And then Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus on this mountain. Verse 4, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. It's good for us to be here. And if you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified. They fell face down to the ground. And then Jesus came over and he touched them. And he said, get up. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone and they saw only Jesus. Verse 9. And as they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Let's pray over this text today. Father God, thank you for your word that gives light, that gives direction, that also brings conviction. Thank you, Lord, that you want to speak to us today. You're wanting to speak to us as a church as we have committed and are committing these 21 days, a, a little, a special time of separation to separate ourselves from certain things that we will fast from and pray about and, and read your word to grow closer to you. So today, speak to us. Let us get caught up with you as these disciples did. Let our hearts, let our lives get caught up with you and move forward the way you want us to. We honor you and we honor your word now. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I've titled this message, The Mountain of Transformation. And as I've been in worship, I've thought about four other titles. I probably could have named it, but I'll keep the one I have decided to go with. The Mountain of Transformation. i got a question for us today. What's something about you personally? Everybody listen up. What is something about you personally? personally that you wish you could change don't tell me but what is something about you personally you wish you could change not about this world not about life not about things but what is something about you personally that you wish you could change and I will offer this and that is change is possible with God change is possible with God I'm not talking about past talking about you, me, us, personally. So this story starts out with six days later. Matthew writes it six days later. So to understand what six days later means, you've got to go back and look at what happened six days earlier. Okay, so six days earlier, Jesus is, has called a little conference call with his disciples. And he begins to tell them, hey, I'm about to experience some serious suffering. I'm about to go through some stuff. I'm going to even be killed. But on the third day, I will 
be raised again. I will rise to life again on the third day. He said, you're not going to understand it all. You're going to probably have some doubts. John's gospel talks about the words of Christ to them saying, let your hearts not be troubled. Don't let your hearts get troubled. I'm going to go away, but I will come back again. I will not leave you as orphans. So he's having this conversation, this little specialized conference with his disciples, letting them know things are not going to be that great looking at me in the next few weeks. In the coming days, I'm going to go through some stuff. It's going to make you wrestle. It's going to make you struggle. You even might have some doubts about the last three years that we've spent together wondering what is this life about? What is going on? And so he's telling them this. And Peter, you know, his faithful disciple Peter says, Well, Lord, this, this can't be. You can't be going through that kind of stuff. <laughs> There's no way we're going to let you go through that. It can't happen. Just not going to let your life go through any bad stuff. And the Lord took Peter aside and he rebuked him. And he told, this is what, what he says. You can read about it in in chapter 16, around verse 20, 21, 22, 23, he says, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. He goes, you are almost like a dangerous trap to me. He said, here's the problem. You're looking at things through a human perspective only, and you're not seeing it through God's viewpoint. How about that? You're not seeing things the way God wants you to see. And so six days later is where chapter 17 picks up. So what Jesus is getting, trying to teach his disciples in this moment about the future is that, look, no matter what you deal with in life, you have got to get yourself to see things from God's perspective. You have to know things from God's perspective. And you've got to believe things from God's perspective. Because the Bible over and over and over again teaches us and tells us and says God's thoughts and God's ways are higher than ours. And there are things that don't make sense. Especially right here in this text. Jesus, obviously, he knew what he was here for. He knew what he came for. He knew what would happen on the third day. But his disciples, as much as Jesus was letting them know that, had a hard time understanding that. And Jesus said, no matter what you deal with in life, you've got to get heaven's perspective on it. You've got to see it from God's view. You've got to know it. And you've got to believe that God has an answer and a better plan than perhaps the way you see it currently, that there is a purpose behind it. And so six days earlier was that conversation. So for six days, the Lord let his disciples wrestle with that thought. Peter wrestling with, he called me Satan. I don't want to be a trap to my Lord. I don't want to get in the way of what God wants to do, but friends, so many times if we don't get heaven's perspective on matters, we set up roadblocks to what God can ultimately do. Or we can also delay what God is wanting to do. So he's saying, for six days he let these guys wrestle with this. Six days they perhaps had some doubt 
So he comes to them and he says, here, let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me show you what I mean. And he takes them up on a high mountain, leads them up on a high mountain to be alone. The Bible says that to be alone. And he's there, as we read in the story. He's present. And that begs the question, are we willing to be alone with God? Many a people throughout the Bible had an alone time with God that resulted in transforming their life for the future. Because they were willing to be alone with the Lord, it transformed them for their future. Many a people, you look throughout the Bible, had an alone time with God. A moment where they encountered him that shifted their destiny, that changed the reality of who they were, setting them up for who God had called them to be. If you and I want to ever have anything new with God, we have to be willing to let go of anything old in ourselves. And we have to be willing to embrace what he has, even when we don't understand it with our own view We have to trust God's perspective on the matter, right? So they were willing to be alone. So they were up on the mountain, and then right before their very eyes, it said that Jesus' appearance was transformed, was transformed right before them. His face shone like the sun. Look at this image. This face shone like the sun in its vastness and its brightness. If you walk out and try to look up at the sun right now, what's going to happen? You're going you're to blink. You're going to close your eyes. You're not going to be able to really open them and see things right, right? Because that is the brightness of him. And it said his clothes shone like the light, so bright, transformed right there on the mountain in front of them. The word for transform there is the word in the Greek is metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis, okay? And that word metamorpho means this, inner change of character and mindset. Transformed, inner change of character and mindset. Character, the substance of who we are, what we're made up of, Mindset, our general outlook in life and on life. And so the word there, transformation, that Jesus is showing us is that he wants to bring change to our inner character and to our mindset, what we are made up of, who we ultimately can become and be on this earth, and how we look at life and think about life. Other theologians would call that a biblical world view. Having the worldview the way God wants us to have it, the way He wants to shape it. Now, the Bible is very clear that only God, listen, only God Himself can change the inner character of a person and the mindset of an individual. You and I can't change it. You and I can't change somebody else. Oh, we like to try. Right? We try. We, we do things. We try to train our kids in the way that they should go. Sometimes it hurts them through discipline and correction. You and I get chastised. You and I get disciplined. You and I get corrected. 
and it's not very fun. I got a speeding ticket this week. <laughs> no, not yay. I know. I know. And it was crushing to me that whole day because I hate to be wrong. And I hate to have it held over me that I am wrong. And that pink slip ticket constantly reminds me that I was wrong. It still upsets me. I have to face the consequences of my actions and I have to change my ways. That ticket enforces me to think about how I drive. <laughs> and that ain't easy, right? Only God, the judge, and change the inner character and the mindset of a person. The Bible's clear about that. Look at these two verses here, Romans 12, 2 and 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing is, and is perfect. Let God transform you. Let God transform you. And Paul, again, to the church in Corinth says, All of us have had that veil removed. We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, catch this, the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image the lord makes us more and more like him you cannot change your spouse we cannot change another person and some of us have a hard time with that we want to change everybody and the thing we need to focus on is only the lord can change anyone He's the only one who can change the heart of a person, the character of a person, the mindset of a person. And if we want changes to happen in us, then we have to go to the one who can make the change happen. I wish I could sing like Michael Jackson because I'd break out in that song, The Man in the Mirror, right? That'd be so powerful right now. You want to make the change. I'm not, but if I could... Oh, I sure would right now in front of everybody. My parents know it too. They're like, yeah, he would do it. Yeah. My wife was like, please don't. I can't, so I won't. But we got to go to the one who can make the change. So much he can do with so little of us. So... The activity on the mountain is transformation. That's what the Lord was showing. Jesus was showing, look, I want you, you've got to get the perspective of God. You've got to know it. You've got to see it. You've got to believe it for yourself. 
said, let me show you what I mean. And that's where he takes them to. The activity on the mountain is transformation. What then does the process of transformation look like? Well, we can get a little bit of insight from this story. And I, I just three things with this that I'll share with you today. First is this. If we want true transformation to happen, we want change, inner character change, mindset change. I mean, if you don't, you just want to stay the same. You don't ever want to grow. You don't want your faith to blossom. You don't want your life to ever be, be greater than what it is in the Lord himself or anything like that. Then, hey, don't listen to a thing I say and don't ever go back to church again. Don't open the Bible. Don't crack open the Bible if you don't ever want to be changed. But if you do, it starts with this. Be willing to exchange what we want for what God wants. Be willing to exchange what we want for what God wants. Peter said, it is good to be on this mountain. Check it out. Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Hey, this is never probably going to ever happen again. This is phenomenal. Lord, it is good to be right here. If you want, I can make some tents, I'll make some memorials, we'll hang out right here. And as he was even talking, God broke through with a bright cloud, huge, overshadowing bright cloud and a thunderous voice, this is my son, I love him, you need to listen to him. God interrupted Peter's wants. Now, when God interrupts our wants, it's not because he doesn't like us. It's only because he loves us. And he does that because he brings course adjustments to our life. Because sometimes we can start to think we know what we need. We know where we need to be. We know what needs to happen. And the reality is we don't. He himself truly does. He is sovereign. He is divine. You know, not everything that is good is God. A lot of good doesn't necessarily mean it's God. As good as our plans often are, it does not necessarily mean, mean that our plans are God's plans. Doesn't always mean that. And so sometimes he comes in and he interrupts. And he says, we need to make an adjustment. Need to make an adjustment. That's why, I don't know if you, if you watch any kind of sports on TV at all, especially like basketball, or now, right now, it's happening football, the coaches will, will often call a timeout because they need to make an adjustment to their game plan. The coach sees that the team is not going in the direction of the game plan that, needs to, that they need to go. So he has to stop it, have a moment of silence with them and talk to them and readjust so that hopefully when they go back out they can accomplish what needs to happen same with the Lord he interrupts our life he interrupts our wants so that he can get his wants to happen in us if we really want it and if we will be willing to exchange what we want for what he wants then transformation and change of our character of our mentality, of our mindset, of our outlook begins to change, all right? Here's the second thing. We have to also be willing to listen to Jesus. 
Not only do we have to be willing to exchange what we want for what he wants, we also have to be willing to listen to what he wants to tell us. That interruption of God on the mountain. He said, this is my son. I love him. You need to listen to him. And it said, those disciples fell flat on their face, face down, on the ground, and it said this. The next person that came to them, that spoke to them, was Jesus. God told them, listen to Jesus. And who came to speak to them? Jesus. It said, Jesus came to them. He approached them. It said, Jesus touched them. And then Jesus spoke to them. Right where they were. Jesus speaks to us where we're at. But then, if we listen, he'll get us to where he wants us to be. He told them, get up. Don't be afraid. I know this might have freaked you out. You're not really capturing everything, but listen, I'm here. So his nearness, his personal touch, and his voice brought comfort and change to them personally. And God knows that if we will just give our ears to hear what Jesus has to say, he will bring comfort and change to us personally and help us get to where we need to be, where he wants us to be. And he told them, just get up. Don't be afraid. So transformation is not only, it starts with being willing to exchange what we want for what God wants. It also continues with being willing to listen to what Jesus says. Because another thing, you ever have anybody ever come up to you and say, what do you think? And then you try to tell them what you think. And then they're like, oh, I don't like, that's not good. I don't like that. I don't want to hear that, right? Then what would you even bother to ask me for? I'd go to my parents at a younger age and ask them for advice. And I was like, no, I don't like that. And my dad would be like, well, don't ever ask me for advice if you're not willing to listen to it. Right? Jesus knows what he wants to tell us. And it's always, always about lifting us to be where he wants us to be, right? I think we can all stand to be a little more like Jesus in that way. Instead of putting people down into place, lifting people up with grace, amen? But it also continues with this. Be willing to live from the mountain and not on the mountain. Verse 9 says, they went down the mountain together. What was waiting for them at the end of the mountain, at the base of the mountain, the story carries on. There was a large crowd waiting for them. There was a father with a son who was sick, who was having seizures, and he was in deep suffering. And he had no answers. He, no one could help him. The father was at his last resort. I mean, he had no idea what else to do. Life was waiting for them at the base of the mountain. Here's the thing, when we and as we encounter the Lord and we l begin to exchange what we want for what he wants and we begin to listen to what he has to tell us, then we need to take that experience with God and take it to our ordinary life because our ordinary life is waiting to encounter our experiences with God. And that's what was waiting for them. When you and I can't be willing to live on the mountaintop. Oh man, I love the mountaintop experiences. 
I love them. They lift my heart. They lift my burdens. They take away my worries. I feel the peace of God, the grace of God. I feel the confidence and the faith of God that he gives me. But he gives that to us because there's a world waiting for us to experience and to have what you and I have with the Lord. Remember, it is never always about you. We have to remember that. I know we, 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 this society keeps telling us life revolves around us. What do you want? How do you like it? Is it good enough? No, then change it. Make yourself happy. Drop him. Drop her. Do this. Have that. Buy this. Go in debt for that. Whatever makes you feel good. Short and simple, my philosophy of life about world. But God's like, no. Have an encounter with me. Exchange what you want for what I want. Listen to what I have to tell you. And then go and help the world. It's always been that way. It will continue to be that way. Jesus is counting on his church to be that kind of people. And so we cannot get caught up in this cycle. As Paul says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you. Life is waiting for us at the base of the mountain. Don't be one of those people who live with your head in the clouds and you never stoop to help anyone in this world. Don't be the kind of Christian who thrives on everything of heavenly nature that you forget there's a world in need of heaven to come down to earth. Amen? Don't forget that. And here's the thing. More often than not, we let our ordinary life become greater than he that is in us. We let our ordinary life, the aches and pains, and everything else that comes along with it, become greater than he that is in, than he, he that is in us. And it really just shouldn't be that way. Christian, it, it ought not be that way. So what do we do about that? What do we do about that? Well, I think it's anything in all the scriptures in the Bible are all helpful. They all have understanding and revelation and guidance to them. And like these Psalms of Ascent, we need to be able to put our feet in their footprints and then gain what they were after. They were at a place when they were going to meet the Lord, to meet God, to encounter Him, to celebrate their relationship with Him, to experience Him. And they had this authenticity about them, and that was something like this, I believe. I know where I'm at. I know what is happening to me. I know where I'm at right now, and where I'm at right now is not really where I want to stay right now. I'm talking about personally, inwardly, character, mindset. Where I'm at right now, God, is not where I want to continue to live. I need you to change me. I want you to transform me. And any person who ever prays a prayer of that kind of honesty, God always answers. And he will always move. And he will always come in. And he will always bring the kind of change that he sees fit that is appropriate for that person. 
And so these psalms, they would go and they would sing these songs as they would go to encounter. They were traveling upward. They were ascending. They were making a move to go up to get close to God. And they would sing these psalms like Psalm 125. said, those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated. They will not be defeated. They will not be defeated. But they will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. They would sing those kinds of songs because they recognized where they were. Then they were, in essence, saying, my trust in God makes me unshakable because my God surrounds me. And anything else that tries to surround me, my God surrounds it and he surrounds me. So no matter what I deal with in life, God is bigger than that. God holds me. God surrounds me. God envelops me. And they were singing a song like that. No matter what they might have faced the previous year in their life, whatever despair, whatever discouragement, whatever disappointment, whatever loss, whatever grief, whatever sorrow, whatever triumph, no matter what it was, they were carrying that up the mountain. And they were going to let God know. And they were going to let themselves know that I trust in God. And because I trust in God... He makes me unshakable. He surrounds me. Just like the mountains surround these where I'm at in this city, in Jerusalem. That's a reminder. God has got me too. And they would go on and they'd sing another one. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. They were remembering what life was like. To be separated. We were filled with laughter, sang with joy. Even the other nations, they said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, you're right, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. And they would pray, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. In other words, they were going to God and saying, you know, God, it was awesome what you did back then and how you brought us back from exile. You brought us out of captivity. You brought us out of bondage. It was amazing what you did. In fact, every other person around here, they even gave you credit for it. But God, that was then. Here I am now. Some time has passed. Like Peter, James, and John, six days later has gone by. Lord, I didn't get it then, but right now I need you to do it again in my life. My heart has gotten dry. I have gone through some things. Some things have gone through me. And some things have gotten stuck in me. I didn't realize the residue of heaviness and the residue of life would be so so tumultuous and so heavy and the things that were going on Lord it has stuck to me and it has weighed me down and it has prevented me from moving forward so God you did it back then God I'm singing to you today I need you to do it again make my love for you fresh make my heart beat fresh for you God make me have joy in the salvation song again let my feet dance again. Let these broken bones be healed again. Let this broken heart, oh God, be well again. Lord, let me not live afraid. 
Let me not live in fear. Whatever it is, God, I need you to do it again. Psalms of ascent, a reminder, we need to move forward again. And the only way to do that is to be willing to go up the mountain and be alone with God. Because God's the only one who can bring change. And they were being honest. I see where I'm at. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like how I feel. I don't like how I respond. I don't like how I react. I don't like the way I'm doing things right now, God. I don't like how what's going on inside of me. I need you to do a work in me. And they would sing a psalm like in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house. The work of the builders is wasted unless the Lord protects a city. Guarding it with centuries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. In other words, they were getting at with God, I'm trying to make a life happen. But something is missing. The Passion Translation says, God's grace and mercy of his Grace and his mercy are not a part of your life. Then what you're trying to do, it's useless. If God's grace and mercy is not on you for this, for whatever, you fill in a blank. Then you'll toil, you'll labor, and you'll never accomplish. And you will never be satisfied. Because it's his grace and his mercy that surround us. And that pursue us. And that follow us. We need to remember we're not called to live this life by our own strength. We're called to live this life by the grace that God gives us in Jesus Christ. Undeserved, unmerited favor. The grace of God. That is good news for us. Is because I can't go through life out of my own accord. I have to have help. I have to have grace. I have to have mercy. And so they were declaring that and singing that, that Lord, I had tried to make a life. I had tried to work. I had tried to produce. I had tried to provide. I had tried to create. I tried to make things happen. But God, something is always missing in my step and in my attempt. Ah, oh, it's your grace. It's your mercy. You know when you try to go at something in your own strength. When you try to tackle something in your own wisdom. You know what that feels like. But then you also know what it's like when you know God's grace and his mercy are with you. These psalms, these songs, they were sung because they needed to go from a lower state to a higher state. And the only way was to go to be alone with God. Close your Bibles, your notebooks, everything. I got a final question for us. What's something about you 
that you need God to change in you. What is something about you that you need God to change in you? I'm going to read one final portion of Scripture. Psalm 130. It's in the whole package of the Psalms of Ascent. But I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. What's something about you that you need God to change in you? And this goes this way. Lord, I cry out to you. From the depths of my despair. Hear my voice, O God. Answer this prayer and hear my plea for mercy. Lord, if you measured us and marked us with our sins, who would ever have their prayers answered? But your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshipped. This is why I wait upon you, expecting you, expecting your breakthrough. For your word brings me hope. Your word brings me hope. I long for you more than any watchman would long for the morning light. I will watch and wait for you, O God, through the night. O Israel... Hear this, keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. Why? Because he is tender-hearted, and he is kind, and he is forgiving. We sing about that in the worship time, great are you, Lord. Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. What do I do in the midst of my turmoil? Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. What do I do when my heart is overwhelming to me? Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. What do I do? I have no idea what to do right now. Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord because He is tender-hearted, He is kind, and He is forgiving. And here's this, he has a thousand ways to set you free. I love that part, he has a thousand ways to set you free. What do you need God to change in you? What do you need God to set you free from? He has a thousand ways to set you free. He has a thousand ways to heal your marriage. He has a thousand ways to provide for you. He has a thousand ways to be a friend to you. He has a thousand ways to send help to you. He has a thousand ways to encourage you. He has a thousand ways to heal your brokenness. He has a thousand ways to lift your heaviness. What is the one thing you need God to change in you? He has a thousand ways to set you free. God is not limited. God is not exhausted. God cannot be tired out. God does not grow weary. God does not grow tired. No, he has a thousand ways to set you free. What do you need him to do in you? What do you need him to do in your life this year? What do you need God to change in you in 2019? Don't go through this year thinking God can't because God can. Think God will. 
He has a thousand ways to set you free. Our mind can only think of about a dozen contingencies probably at a time. God has a thousand ways about your problem right now. God has a thousand ways about your secret thoughts. God has a thousand ways about what you're thinking right now. God has a thousand ways about the things that ache you, the things that plague you, the things that break you, the things that hurt you, the things that destroy you, the things that carry you down, the things that weigh you down. God has a thousand ways, friends. Keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. He has a thousand ways to set you free. And that last part of the psalm says, He himself will redeem you. He will ransom you from the cruel slavery of your sins. He himself, don't you know he'll do it? Don't you know he'll do it? Don't you know he'll do it? Oh, don't you know, church, God will do it. He has a thousand ways to set you free. He himself will ransom you. He himself will come to you when you're tired and you're weary and all you can do is cry. Don't you know God himself gathers your tears in a bottle? Every single one. He has a thousand ways. How will God do it? I don't know. He's got a thousand ways. We may have three or four ways. God has a thousand ways. Don't limit God to one way, two ways, three ways, or four ways. God is bigger than any of those things. He has a thousand ways to heal, a thousand ways to restore, a thousand ways to ransom, a thousand ways to move. If you'll put your hope and your trust and your faith in the person of Jesus Christ... It unlocks and opens the door wide for heaven to move on your behalf. Can you stand to your feet with me this morning? God is moving. God is working. God is doing things even when we can't see it. And we do, even when we don't even really recognize it, when we don't know it, God is working. He hears you. He hears you. He hears you. Trust me, friend. God is never late. He's never early. Come on, old timer, but he's always right on time. I don't like the time pace of God. But when I let his time work, I, I have a great appreciation for it. I don't understand it because my mind can't always comprehend it. So that must mean... I need to let God do some changes in me. Let's bow our heads. What is God? What is one? What are some things in you that you need God to change? God, I thank you that you love us where we're at. You reach us where we are. But your love is greater than where we are. <clears throat> and it carry, carries us forward to where you want us to be in whatever stage, season of life we may go into. We're entering into a new year. 
praying and fasting, and we're believing, God, for you to make new wine out of us. That means you also have to give us new wineskins to be able to contain what it is you want to put in us. So therefore, we have to be open to allowing you to change us from the inside out. So whatever any one of us wish, hope, pray, you would change in us. We put our faith in you. We hope in you. We trust in you. We wait on you. You are the perfect sculptor, the perfect potter. You are the perfect one. You know exactly how you need to do it. We just want to be willing. As that song saying, Aaron, can you grab a mic? He's going to go a cappella right here, okay? Can you do that? You can go a cappella. And I just want you to sing that prayer because that's a prayer for us. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Just start there. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Don't you know he'll do it? Don't you know he'll do it? Sing it one more time. Make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. How are you going to do it, God? He's got a thousand ways. Just lift your hands to the heavens and just say this simple prayer if you really want it. God, I trust you. Just like that. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you. That's how it starts. And that's how it will carry on. Amen.